When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking in zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson, and it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown. Jones has just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it is time for the Jets Dolphins post game report. Dolphins beating the Jets 31 24. Dolphins came from behind. Jets were winning this 17 7 going into the second quarter and then 17 10 at half. Dolphins took over from there and ended up winning this one on the strength of a 21-7 advantage in the second half, 31-24, the final score. So to talk about this from his post in Miami, where he is stationed right now, to cover the Jets for this game. And I got to say, if there's one bright spot for him, it's got to be that this game was in Miami instead of the freezing cold of MetLife Stadium. That, of course, is our friend Andy Vasquez, who covers the Jets for NorthJersey.com. Andy, how is it down there in Miami right now? Well, it is nice and warm. I will give you that. It is, it is nice and warm. Not not the mood in the Jets' locker room it was not nice and warm, but it, it, the weather is good here, aside from a downpour this morning. So we'll, we'll take that. Got to take those positives where you can get them. And, Andy, here's another positive that doesn't look like that big of a deal on paper, and it's not exactly the biggest thing in the world, but it's something. Zach Wilson today was not the problem. He wasn't bad. He wasn't especially great, but he made some nice plays. There was one really great first down scramble. There was a play where he was able to get away from multiple guys that were trying to take him down and complete a pass across his body to Ryan Griffin for a first down. So we saw some flashes. The Jets did move the ball fairly well early on, and then in the second half, much like was the case against Philadelphia a couple of weeks ago, they wilted after that, largely because they didn't have the ball as much. The defense faltered one more time, as they have been doing the last bunch of weeks. It's become a huge problem, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But he didn't make the back-breaking mistakes, despite the fact that the Dolphins were killing him all day. They were all over him, especially in the second half. Tons of pressure a bunch of sacks, but Wilson, despite that, was able to have some small amount of success and not give the game away via turnovers. So again, not the hugest victory in the world, but at least it's a step forward. We'll take positives where we can get them right now. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I just I just think it's it's hard to feel too good about the performance just because it, it was 
was such a lack of production after that fast start. I mean, started six of six and then finished the first half three of eight. And then the Jets had 13 first downs in the first half. They had three after halftime and just, and then one of them was from a penalty. They had about 175 yards of offense in the first half, 55 ish after halftime, no points after halftime. And, and they obviously had 17 points in the first half from the offense. So I just thought the fact that they were, if they could have gotten something going in the second half, I'd have a, I feel a little bit better about it. And you are right. He didn't make any backbreaking mistakes and he was under duress. It, it's just, it seemed like sometime right before halftime and definitely after the Dolphins decided, hey, we're not going to blitz and let this guy beat us with quick throws. We're going to sit back in coverage and see if our, our defensive front can beat this offensive line that doesn't have its starting left tackle and then make this kid beat us. And, and he couldn't do it. So, I don't think it's like the end of the world or a, a definition, a defining moment for him as a quarterback, but it's, I feel like it's hard to feel real good about it after this. But again, he didn't have his starting left tackle. He's playing against one of the better defenses in football and a defense that gives um, opposing quarterbacks a lot of problems. So, uh, and, and he didn't have his two top receivers. So it, it's, it's a tough situation for him and for him not to have any turnovers today, I think, and to not look totally lost out there. That That's, that's good, but also it's hard to know anything. And it's, it's just the way it is with a rookie quarterback, always going to be like that. But when the numbers are this low, I think that's, that is a little bit alarming. Andy, I'm not saying that Jets fans should be jumping for joy. All I'm saying is, when you consider the fact that his receivers weren't getting open at all and that he was playing with a third-string tackle at left tackle and he was under duress all day, it could have gone a lot worse for him to keep his composure and not make those huge mistakes and at the very beginning at least be productive. I'm not sitting here telling you that we should throw a party, but at least it's some form of progress. And as you said, the fact that he didn't look completely lost or scared, I know it sounds like faint praise and it kind of is, but as I said, we're trying to take the smallest of positives that we can get here and at least that was a step in the right direction as far as Zach Wilson goes in terms of his overall development. As I said, in the passing game, not much going on there. The top receiver was Jamison Crowder catching five passes for 40 yards, so that tells you all you need to know. Tevin Coleman got off to a nice start in the first half. Eight carries, 50 yards overall, so he was productive. But as you said, Andy, Jets were able to run the ball in the first half, weren't able to do much of anything in the second half. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that, as you said, the Dolphins made that adjustment in the second half. It was interesting because going into this game, it was known that Brian Flores likes to blitz the most of any team in the NFL and that Zach Wilson had the lowest quarterback rating against the blitz of any quarterback in the NFL. So on paper, bad matchup. But still, the Jets ended up being competitive and taking this all the way down to the wire, more or less, before they ended up wilting and losing 31-24. to Let's talk about the defense here. Boy, this was another terrible performance. Just absolutely terrible. And the worst part of it is, Andy, against the pass, I'm not saying they were great, but they really weren't that bad. Tua Tagovailoa had a lot of trouble. They had two interceptions against him, and they could have had a few more. He did have that one really nice pass all the way downfield. I believe it was to DeFonte Parker. 
But other than that, Tua had a fairly weak day, 16 of 27, 196 yards. The real damage here was done with the rushing attack. Duke Johnson became Miami's first 100-yard rusher since December of last year. So think about that for a second. 22 carries, 107 yards, two touchdowns. Miles Gaskin, 10 carries, 54 yards. The Dolphins just ran it all over the Jets, especially in the second half, and that was what made the difference here. The Dolphins continued to pile up the yardage in the second half. They continued to possess the ball and keep the time of possession advantage. They were able to use Gaskin and Johnson in a way that they haven't been able to get that rushing attack going this entire year. That's really what happened here in the second half. The Jets were not able to do much offensively, and the Dolphins took over with the ground game. Yeah, and it's especially frustrating because the Dolphins came into this game, like you said, with without a 100-yard rusher in such a long time. And Johnson, had, he had like four carries on the season for 18 yards before today. Mm -hmm. All of them against the Jets, by the way, in the last game. (laughs) And then they they rely on this guy as a feature back, and it works to perfection. So the defense, I mean, they really do corner the market on, like, messing up games in ways that are extremely frustrating. And this was an extremely frustrating way to mess up a game because, like you said, the passing defense wasn't that bad. I mean, Brandon Eccles – had the biggest play of the game, really, where yeah. he, when he picks off Tua with seven and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter to tie the game at, uh, I think it was 24 at that point, and this, they, the Jets had nothing to feel good about, and all of a sudden, hey, uh, they're they're right back in this game. And then, of course, on the very next drive, the defense just folds like a cheap lawn chair, and they march down the field for the go-ahead touchdown, and then the offense couldn't get anything going on those two drives where they had a chance to tie the game. So um, it's, it's frustrating. And I think, you know, it's hard. You, you offer a good perspective. I, I wasn't, I was disagreeing with you to a certain extent on Wilson, but I mean, that's good perspective because sometimes we get a little lost with a, with a narrow focus on, on, you know, the small picture and in the big picture, the defense not being able to control the clock in the second half definitely makes life a lot harder on Wilson definitely got more opportunities than he did against the Eagles. But, you know, Robert Sala said it after the game today, offense is about rhythm. And when the Dolphins are having these drives where they're eating up the clock and and scoring points and controlling everything, it's going to be hard for for an offense to get back out on the field, especially with a young quarterback, and and get anything going. And and the Jets couldn't. So, yeah, I I think there's some reason for encouragement from the defense today and, and especially the way they defended the pass. But, you know, it's not like two is the best passer in the world or, or has a reputation for being it. And it, it's just a very frustrating way to kind of lose control of a game. And the Jets did that today. We should also say there was no Jalen Waddle, So that certainly helped the Jets efforts against the Miami passing attack because Jalen Waddle is far and away their number one weapon. And he was not there today. I also wanted to bring up, Andy, the fact that it's wild when we talk about the defense to think that next year, this team could have as many as a half dozen new starters. Think about how crazy that is. 
that's more than half of the starting defense numerically because you look at the safety position, they could have two brand new starting safeties. They could have a brand new starting corner. They could have a brand new starter on that defensive line because Foley Fadakasi is an impending free agent. You could be looking at a new starter or even two at inside linebacker, another new edge. So this defense on paper looked bad, but the more you break it down, and especially with the injuries that have occurred throughout the season, it is absolutely brutal. They're going to have to blow up almost this entire unit in the offseason. Pretty strong argument to be made for at least half the starting defense leaving. I mean, I'm not going to go through it guy by guy right now, but but absolutely right. And I do think it's important to note it's not an excuse, it's just a fact. When, when Quentin Williams left in the third quarter, and I, I think I didn't really put it together until just now because, you know, we're so lost in analyzing everything. Sometimes some stuff slips through the cracks, but I, I think that could have had a lot to do with why the Dolphins had so much running success as, as the game wore on. I mean, Quentin Williams is a big part of, of stopping the run for the Jets, and and not having him out there uh, I think definitely made a difference, even if he wasn't at 100% when he was out there. Um, I think that made a difference. But, yeah, I mean, the only thing that matters really with the defense at this point is figuring out who is, is worth sticking around. And I think you got a case for Bryce Hall being back. I, I think Brandon Eccles is kind of a, a borderline guy. I, I don't know if he's shown enough yet, but today was a step in the right direction. He also had a nice pass breakup in the first half. Um, you know, Michael Carter, the second, is, is a guy who, who seems like he's probably worth keeping around as a starter. And then you know, the other ones are pretty obvious, C.J. Mosley and, and Quinnen and, and some of the guys in the defensive line. But, yeah, I, I, was, I mean, at safety, definitely they need to – even if they keep Eccles, they need to bring in some insurance for experience and, and depth and a guy who can compete and push for a starting job. And if Eccles wins it, so be it, or, or Hall. I mean, there's, this is a total revamping. But I think when you, when you look at Mosley, you look at Quinn and Williams, you look at – some of the young guys like, like Eccles and, and maybe Hall, like this defense could, if they, if they get things right with the guys they bring in, it could make a big leap. And I mean, we saw earlier this year with, you know, just a couple more pieces like Marcus May and, and uh, LaMarcus Joyner having both their starting safeties and a little bit healthier at linebacker. The defense was shockingly effective. So, uh, better than we thought it would be for a large part of the season, the early part of the season until the injuries really took their toll and things kind of got bad. And also defenses kind of figured or opposing offenses kind of figured out what was working. I think the Falcons kind of showed the blueprint on, on how to beat this defense, but um, you know, they can have some success. I don't think the the turnaround is necessarily on defense as far away as it looks, but it, there, it, a lot of things have to go right, and that's always a tough spot to be in, like when you have to make a ton of changes and get all of them right. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Andy, let's talk injuries. You mentioned Quinn and Williams. 
We also had a very scary moment with Elijah Riley. The aforementioned Brandon Eccles came off the field at one point. What's going on with all these injuries and especially Elijah Riley because that was scary. I had flashbacks of Dennis Bird watching that. You never want to see something like that where a guy gets carted off like that where his head and his feet are basically attached to the gurney so that he can't move. What do we know about that injury? Yeah, Scott, that was a really scary situation. Fortunately, we got good news after the game. Robert Salas said that uh, Elijah Riley checked out okay and would be traveling back with the Jets to New Jersey on Sunday night. The best possible news when you talk about a situation that that was that scary. I didn't see uh, him actually get injured because it kind of happened behind the play. He went in for a tackle after running across the field at full speed, and he missed the ball carrier and hit uh, teammate Kyle Phillips, who was running after the ball carrier, uh, and hit him at full speed head first. So uh, when I saw Elijah Riley on the field for the first time, he was laying arms out, like kind of like it was almost like a scene out of a movie, like you would expect a guy to see a guy down like with a chalk outline. It, it was just terrifying. And then he didn't move. The, the medical staff came out there very quickly. Um Robert Sala was out there with the medical staff watching over him. The entire Jets and Dolphins team teams were both worried. A lot of guys on knees, a lot of guys pacing around with their hands on their head. And then they brought out the cart, put him on a backboard very carefully, lifted it up onto the onto the cart, and then they began wheeling him off the, the field very slowly. And we saw at that point he raised one of his arms, which was a very encouraging sign. And, and that got the crowd was cheering when when he began going off the field uh the dolphins players and the jets players all surrounded the cart all of them were clearly freaked out and then he did that and i think a lot of people were relieved the crowd cheered for that and then it went into into the tunnel i don't have any robert sala didn't have any details about whether or not he was taken to the hospital but he did say that that or about the specifics of the injury but he did say that he was traveling back with the team tonight and that was great news with Quinn and Williams, he suffered a shoulder injury. Again, Robert Sala didn't have any real details on that other than say that obviously it was the same shoulder as last week when he left the game against the Saints and returned to finish. This time he couldn't finish. It's the left shoulder. It's something to monitor going forward. And you hope he didn't do any serious damage to it. Um, but, you know, it, it's there's three games left in the season. We'll see if he's back or not. Uh, and then, yeah, Brandon Eccles left the game briefly, returned. I, I think he had the pick six after – or no, he had he had the pick six, got injured on the drive right after it. I think he did come back to the game after, and he didn't say like he was having – we talked to him after the game, and it, it didn't come up. So expect him to be fine. Another thing to watch, Elijah Vera Tucker left the game briefly at one point in the second half, but did come back. So um, I don't know – what the seriousness of that is or what's going on there. But again, something to monitor going forward. I'm pretty sure that was it on the injury front for the Jets today. Before we get into all the quotes that were said in the locker room after the game, I wanted to briefly touch on the one that has made some waves. And that is what Zach Wilson said when he was asked what percentage of the blame he believes he deserves 
for the team's offensive struggles. And Wilson's answer was something along the lines of, I don't concern myself with that. I understand why that question was asked. But at the same time, I don't know why people are making a big deal about his answer. I'm not sure what you expected him to say. I guess he could have said, it's all on me, I'm the quarterback. But he's just basically saying, I'm trying to just go out there and play. I'm not sitting here thinking about what percentage of blame I'm supposed to take. I don't know why anybody would take that as anything other than what I just said, as opposed to thinking that it's some sort of alarming buck passing, because I didn't see that at all. No, I don't think it was a buck passing. I think it was more like, the question was very direct and laid it out in a way like this the offense is doing this was doing this when you weren't in there. Now it's doing this. How much blame do you take on? And I, I don't think that whole like direct comparison to like, why aren't you doing as well as your backup quarterbacks is basically what the question was. And I, I just don't think he liked it. And that that's the answer. I don't think, I think, you know, he's been a kid who has taken responsibility when he hasn't, made the plays he needs to make and that has not been a problem even today when I asked him about you know what went wrong in the red zone on those two plays I'm sorry on those two drives at the end of the game where the Jets had a chance to come back and they couldn't get it even a first down I asked him like how disappointing that was and, and what his mindset was and he admitted like I gotta hit I gotta be more accurate on that throw to Denzel Mims um, it, it, he doesn't shy away from accountability but I think when you're framing it like the backups are doing better than you. What's wrong? Which is kind of the way the question was framed. And I still think it's a fair question um, because it's true. It is the, the backups have been better than him. The offense has been better. I mean, the Jets are averaging something like 385 yards a game on those four games where he was out and they're now averaging 235. It's, it's a significant, it's like 180 yard difference or four. It was like over 400 yards and, and they, they haven't, you know, and they cracked 300 yards in every game that he was out, and they haven't cracked 280, 81 since he's been back, and they're averaging, you know, like 236. So it, it's a big difference, and it's a fair question, but I also, like, get why he wouldn't like the question and wouldn't want to go there. So, yeah, I don't think it's about him skirting responsibility in any way, shape, or form. I think it was about him not liking the question and being frustrated and – like showing it and he's a 22 year old kid who's handled himself really really well like he's that's a pretty tame like clap back if you will bristling whatever you want to call it um he's entitled to do that i don't think anybody should like judge him i'm sure it's frustrating for him the offense hasn't been productive since he's been there so or since he'd come back so I, I understand it, and I don't think it's something alarming, and I don't think it's anything to read into in terms of his mindset and, and him being accountable. Let's go inside the locker room. What else did you hear from Zach Wilson? What did Robert Sala have to say? And did anybody ask about the atrocious third-down play calling on defense? Because I could not wrap my head around what they were doing, and this has been a persistent problem. We've seen the Jets giving up third and longs all year. But in this game, I really have no idea what Jeff Ulrich was trying to do on those third down play calls. Yeah, that, I, I don't believe that came up. I'm sure it will tomorrow when we've had a chance to kind of like look at everything with a little bit of a longer view. Yeah, the second half was pretty, you know, after the Riley injury, I think, you know, I know for me personally, I, you know, I, I might. At a certain point, I got to start writing stuff, and I had to write that. And in terms of watching the game in great detail, I couldn't give you an analysis of the play calling on defense in the second half at this point. 
So it didn't, that's why it didn't cross my mind. I, I can't speak for my colleagues, um, but I'll take a look at it and, and it certainly could be asked tomorrow. Um, as far as everything else that kind of didn't go right for the Jets, Robert Sala talked about the offense and it was asked about, you know, what, why are there's such these, these massive disparities between the first half and the second half? We saw it in the, in the Eagles game now. It's, it's kind of like been all year, right? First, it was transposed. It was they were kind of a mess, not kind of a mess. They were total mess in the first half, and, and they played better in the second half. Now we're seeing the opposite, and they're getting it going in the first half and folding in the second half. And he talked about, he said, basically, it's the same thing that we saw earlier in the year. Like, we, we're getting into a rhythm in, in the first half. We're not getting into a rhythm in the second half. And Robert Sala was pretty direct. I mean, he said that there's blame for everyone for this. It's on the play calling. It's on the blocking. It's on receivers not getting separation. And it's on Zach Wilson needing to get the ball out quicker. It's on all of those things. I think that's accurate. I mean, he went out of his way to say it's, it's not all on Zach. It's on all of us. And I think that is true. But I think a lot of it is on Zach Wilson, too. And that shouldn't necessarily be a huge surprise because you're asking a rookie quarterback with an offense that isn't doesn't have that many weapons to, to do a lot. And he's not ready for that at this point. And um, I think he needs to show a little bit more than he's showing. But I, I still don't think like we're anywhere near the point where we can make a definitive evaluation about him. I mean, there are some things to where it, it's not looking great at this point, but it, it, it's still too early, and, and and there's plenty of time for him to to figure it out. And he's going to get the opportunity to figure it out. So to make a definitive judgment on, on Zach Wilson at this point is not a fruitful exercise. But he definitely can be better. So Zach Wilson talked about kind of – the way this game went for him and he did say that he felt this was the first time that he's really just kind of let himself go out there and, and let it happen rather than trying to force the issue. And I think that's why you saw him do such a nice job on a lot of those off schedule plays. And that was throughout the game, even when things were going bad in the second half. I mean, he had an amazing run where he made like five guys miss and, and got a first down and it was just really cool to see he looked like a running back almost and you're seeing him I think after the knee injury get his mobility back get confidence in his knee back and I think he's going to be a lot more capable in these final three games of the season of making those kinds of plays um you mentioned him kind of bristling about that one question um and then he talked about you know what went different after halftime and it was basically like that they just didn't make the adjustment well enough and it was it was kind of like on everybody that they didn't make the adjustment well enough but um, he admitted like they were getting into coverage and it wasn't as easy for him and you know he didn't make the throws he needed to make so um, I think he is like with the whole accountability thing this kid doesn't have an accountability problem I think sometimes he says I'm, I'm, I'm not making an excuse and then lists like five or six excuses and that's a habit that he needs to get out of but it, he still does take accountability for the most part. And I don't think that's an issue, especially with that answer. I think when you're looking at him, him not taking accountability, sometimes when he goes listing excuses, that's 
that's not a great look. But for the most part, the kid, you know, he talks even when it isn't pleasant and he's not always throwing his, he's not throwing his teammates under the bus. So I don't think that's an issue. Um, other guys we talked to Brandon Eccles. He talked about the pick six and said it was his first one since junior college. And, you know, he said after the interception that, you know, he's excited and all that, but he knew that their, their job wasn't over and that they needed to, to keep getting stops if the Jets were going to stay in the game and win it. And obviously on the next drive, they, they gave up a touchdown. So it didn't happen. He also gave credit for the interception to Michael Carter, the second who was back in this game after suffering a concussion and missing last week's game against the Saints. He said pre-snap that, that Carter told him like to look out for it. So he trusted him, jumped the route and got the pick and, and took it to the house. So, so that was kind of cool to see. We also talked to Bryce Hall, who talked about, you know, kind of the frustration with not being able to stop the run game. And n- nobody could really give a good answer for why the Jets couldn't stop the run game. It's, it just was we need to be better. We need to make tackles. We can't miss tackles. We need to be better in our fits. I mean, this is clearly something that is a problem and has been a problem for several weeks now, really months now. And I don't think the Jets have an answer. I mean, Robert Sala came very close to saying it. Like, it's not that we don't have an answer. He started an answer and then said, it's not that we don't have an answer. It's just that we're, we're still figuring it out. So they don't have an answer, clearly. I mean, they just let the second worst team in the NFL rush for 180 yards on them. And a guy who has four carries on the season go for over 100, they, they don't have any answers. So that was my big takeaway there. And, and, yeah, and then everybody talked about the injury to Elijah Riley and how scary that was. Uh, to a man, you know, Robert Sala couldn't say if it affected the team, but he said it affected both teams. He wasn't going to use it as an excuse for the Jets. It affected both teams because nobody wants to see that. Um, Zach Wilson said anytime you see the medical staff running out there with that sense of urgency and a guy's not moving, you know it's not good. It, it was scary. Uh, Bryce Hall said he was really glad to hear that, that he was doing better and that – he was going to be okay because, you know, it was scary. And they know, and they know that Riley is a guy who like came in and fit in right away. CJ Mosley talked about that. He fit in right away. and was almost like he was one of the guys right away. And even though he's only making his fifth start with the jets, like they, they feel close to him and it was hard to see him like that. And they're all, and they're all very relieved that he's feeling better. So that, that, you know, football seemed a little less important, um, you know, after that play. Because it was, it was tough. I mean, even for us, man, nobody wants to see that. And it's, it's a tough thing to see. So I'm, I'm glad he's doing okay. And, and hopefully he'll be able to get back on the field soon. Andy Vasquez covering the Jets for NorthJersey.com. Thanks so much for coming on and breaking down the Jets and the Dolphins down in Miami as the Dolphins get a 31-24 victory. Really appreciate it. For those that want to check out your work, they can get it all at NorthJersey.com. And Andy, I think we can both agree that if you're looking for a last-second Christmas gift, a really good one would be a subscription to NorthJersey.com because it's only 15 cents a month, so 99 cents for six months. But the person you're shopping for doesn't need to know that. You can just say, hey, I got you access to all this incredible news for six months, and they'll think that you spent a whole bunch of money because that's such a valuable commodity. So you can check out NorthJersey.com, get access to everything Andy's doing, access to all the local sports and news journalism. And like I said, I think it makes a perfect last second Christmas gift. Andy, 
Tell me a little bit about what people can get for themselves or for somebody else if they do subscribe now as a Christmas gift, either to themselves or to somebody that they care about. Yeah, well, usually on Monday, we kind of break down the Jets draft standing with, with all their picks. But since there's this week's schedule is so screwed up and we got games on Tuesday, I'm going to wait till a little bit later in the week to see that. Uh, on Monday, we will have uh, something on Zach Wilson. I'm going to try to look and see why fans should be encouraged right now about Wilson and, and what the Jets should be looking for in these final three games. Um, and we'll also start to delve into like how quickly can the Jets turn this around and, and who should they be targeting in free agency and the draft moving forward? Obviously, like we talked about, they have several starters that they need to find. And it's not just on defense. It's also on offense, less on offense, but definitely some work to be done there. So all of that at NorthJersey.com this week, please check it out uh, and subscribe. That would be awesome. If you could, it's definitely worth it. And, uh we're about to get into really like the most interesting part of the season for the Jets, unfortunately, which it has been for the last most of the last decade, which is the off season. So we'll have a lot of good content all the way through uh, really mid June coming up. So, so definitely get out, get in on it while you can and, and subscribe. Andy, once again, thanks for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Have a safe flight back from Miami and a Merry Christmas. We will talk again next week. In the meantime, go subscribe to NorthJersey.com and check out everything Andy's doing. Check out everything we're doing over at PlayLikeAJet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, is constantly putting up brand new videos. Go ahead and subscribe now so that you get an alert every time that we've got a new video up there and watch all the ones that are there already. Check out our store at tpublic.com. It's teepublic.com. We got the Zach Says Go Long shirt, the Quinnen Williams, John Franklin Myers, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, mugs, hats. It's all there. Teepublic.com, teepublic.com. And make sure you give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital at playlikeajet.com.